This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Can't get enough of Boomer and Carton in the morning. Al Dukes and Jerry Recco are here with some sports news and updates they didn't have time to cover. Here we go. It's the Boomer and Carton Post Game Show with Al and Jerry. All right, here we are. We're going to wrap up the podcast week. We are literally about 25 minutes after the Boomer and Carton show just ended as Al and I record this. And so let's start with where we ended the show, or at least when my day ended. That was with moment of the day and the penile implant story. That was in the New York Post, and that absolutely, 100% was a real story. And, you know, we kind of got goofy on it, but I read that story this morning. So is this a guy who was injured and needs an implant? or he just not at all. He was a healthy guy. It was a man in New York City who they did not give his name who had a three-inch erectile, erected penis. Which is not great. His penis was three inches erect, basically. There you go, Eddie. I just said that. Enjoy it. Um... And so he apparently had his girlfriend break up with him because she just wasn't satisfied. It just, this whole notion that it ain't how big it is, it's how you use it, garbage. Very selfish of the women. Right. But at the same time. Like if a man broke up with a woman because she had small breasts, everyone would be yelling about that guy. I'm sure that happens all the time. You don't think that happens? It does, but uh, men are shallow and women are are shallow. Men are shallow. Women are not supposed to be shallow. Well, listen. We're all garbage. We're all people. We're all shallow. Let's be honest. All right. We got that out of the way. So anyway, this apparently was not the first time a woman had broken up with him over his small penis. So he says. He should have just pretend to be and say, I only have sex in marriage and then see if he could get one of the gals to marry him. And then surprise on wedding night. So that means she's never seen him naked. Yes. I mean, what kind of relationship is that? That's not so great seeing people naked. I don't like to be seen Again, naked. Again, here we go. Right. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I like seeing my wife naked. Oh, I thought you, Fair but enough. you don't like seeing. I don't know what she thinks, and I'm not going to ask her because I don't know. I don't want to know what the answer Next is. Next time you're naked around uh, her, no, say. No, no, How you like no. this? How you like me now? <laughs> Anyhow. Um, so anyway, so he was on the internet looking for enhancement, and he was trying to fight through all the BS that's out there, right? You know, the extends, and I don't know if that is or it isn't, but I guess he was skeptical of things like that. And he came across a doctor who is based out of California who claimed to have the only known penile implant procedure. And so he called the guy. And the way it works is this guy is the only doctor that has the proper, I don't know if they want to call it a patent, but the technology, the smarts, the know-how to do it. He's the only one in the world, according to the story as of right now, that does this. So he went out there, got it done, along with other men. Seven from New York City already so far have done it. And it's very similar to the breast implant with what they use. And voila. It he works. He added three inches to his penis. And it works fine. Supposedly so far, it works. So that's actually the story. That's the real news story before Craig started playing all the buttons, <laughs> which was funny in and of itself, and it was moment of the day and all that, and we were talking about you know James Bond and Debonair and Deboner, however you want to call it, and that's how we kind of got to that. But just to clear that up, New York Post about manhood. I wonder when breast implants became a thing that 
became widely a, a widely done procedure. Uh, I would say late nineties. Uh, no, widely definitely and 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 without repercussions. You remember the movie with David Schwimmer, right? You saw that movie? I did not about the beginning of the implant business. No, and I mean I think there's truth to it from things I have read. How things went really bad at first. A lot of deformities, they would leak, and it took them a long time to figure out exactly how to perfect it. And I, I mean, I do think it was the, I don't think it was earlier than that, because there's a lot more girls running around with it now. Yeah, maybe late 80s. You think that? I do. I think in the late 80s, there were women that had got breast implants. Oh, no, no. Women have been getting them since the 70s. I thought you said commonly Yeah, commonly. Used. Yeah. You're going to say the 90s. I don't think so. You might be right. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I would say late 90s myself. And now, like I said. Now you can do everything. It could be the bras, Al. That's right. Those push-up bras you were were talking about. Plus, uh, you can do the lips. Normally, when when women have their lips done, it looks like they had their lips done. Kind of like with men when they get the hair transplants. It looks like you had a hair transplant. In a lot of ways, it does, yes. Um, Then they have butt implants now. I don't get that. To have a nice round butt. I don't get that. And years ago on MTV, when they used to do the show MTV True Life, they followed around a, a weightlifter dude who wanted to get calf implants. Why? And I remember because he wanted to have nice calves. So work them harder. Yeah, work them. He was working them. He wanted really nice calves. So he wanted fake ones. So he got ca- calf implants. So that's not true then. Like how can you be a bodybuilder or a weightlifter? Yeah. And you're actually putting in phony muscles. Well, I don't think he was competing. He just wanted to look good for himself. Oh, I thought he was a weightlifter. And I've so. heard you've got to get these breast implants. Like every 10 years, you got to redo them because it's not supposed to be uh, in your body. There was an episode, one of these, you know, one of 9,000 channels we have where I actually watched. Uh, it was a documentary on it. Not, I'm not talking about the David Schwimmer movie. I'm talking about a real documentary on it on how um, the cutting that's involved and more than that, the pain and the procedure. Now, it only lasts for five or six days or four or five days. But I'm telling you, what these girls go through as soon as it's done until it starts to take and feel right, my God. Yeah. Now, that's some rough stuff. Ugh. They do look beautiful in clothing. Uh, they look beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm, pretty much. I'm just saying, like, uh, you really can see a difference in clothing. And without clothing. And without clothing. I would think, That's too. a good point, Jerry. I mean, Both of those things. You've seen it. I have, uh, yeah, we've all seen it. Hmm. There Awkward. you go. How do we move on from this, Jerry? Want to go back to the man boobs? No, I can go on to this because this just happened uh, to me in the uh, back uh, cafeteria here. Oh, okay. Um, I went to, I always wash out my uh, Boomer and Carton coffee mug every uh, day. Yeah, I got to start washing out my coffee mug. I don't. Oh, you got to wash I it out. I just rinse it. I just rinse it. No, I don't I don't soap it. Oh, okay. I rinse it because I only use that mug for coffee right. here. And every once in a while, I'll take it home and run it th- through the dishwasher. But it brought me to like the paper towels we have here. The toilet paper we have here seems like the lowest grade of paper product that you could get. Probably. They're buying so much of it. Right. And I wonder for a consumer like yourself, Jerry, when you're buying for your home, do you go with with the uh, paper towels, toilet paper, napkins? Mm-hmm. Do you go for the cheapest no. deal or do you have certain ones you say, like I know for me, bounty. I like a bounty or a brawny paper towel. Yeah, I don't use any of that. Because I use a lot of those. Nothing like that. And I like a Scott tissue for the toilet. Don't use that either. So, but you do have ones or, or yes. do you, you go for every what's month, on sale? Every month I go to Costco and I buy the Costco brand toilet paper, paper towels, tissues, 
and napkins. And you're happy with those. Tremendous. Absolutely. And the paper towels, I don't care what you give me. If I don't have my Costco paper towels, I'm not happy. Really? They're, they're terrific. Oh, a bounty paper towel is nice. It's the quicker picker-upper, yeah. but I like the Costco one. Yeah. The, the toilet paper here, now I think, I hope I'm not sharing too much, but you had to use the, you had a to poop today at work. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, the toilet paper here is not Isn't good. Isn't great? It will. If you're going to the bathroom but, here regularly. Which I do not. Right. You will get some type of butt issues. Now, I will say this. Today, there was really very, <laughs> this is awful. There was very little need for it. There's oh. always a need for it. But it was more smooth But a lot sailing. less than other times. Good for you. This was perfect. That's perfect. Perfect. Rare, but Now, perfect. let me just say this. And since we're being, you know, we're being honest, I had an issue like you in that for whatever reason, whatever I've eaten the last few days, nothing was happening. It was a couple days in between. To where I really was feeling awful this morning driving in, did not feel well, felt bloated, all that. And I had this notion... Craig spent about $100 on some sort of crappy fast Mexican fast food. As part of his diet. And what I mean by crappy, I just mean not healthy. I mean, it was really good. So he had given me something. I don't know what the hell it was. Some sort of fried item in a tortilla yes. of to some sort. To which I'm like, I am not eating that. And I went to give it to Bob. And then a light bulb went off. Maybe that will speed up the process. How about within 10 minutes? Yeah. And he's eating it all morning and he's fine. Yes. It I goes have, to show the different insides we've got. Right. I do have certain foods like that where I know if I need to go to the bathroom, what I can have. Yes. Chicken wings are on my list, like the deep fried chicken wings. Well, anything deep fried. Yeah. I mean, honestly, all that grease and oil. Yeah. Uh, ice cream for me because of the milk situation. That. Yeah. And um, I think that's it. Those two items. I Oh, White Castles. <laughs> Those three items. Got it. I could, uh, if there was an issue going on, I would do that and everything would be fine. But you got to have nice toilet paper. Some people go with the extra soft toilet paper, which is not, I always fear that's going to clog up a toilet because it's like uh, using a, um, like a soft towel. You know, it's thick. That's really thick. Cottonelle, I think, makes a Mm. nice thick toilet paper. There's nothing worse than having a clogged toilet. Yeah. Plus with the cottonelle, which is the thick cushiony kind. Yeah. As you are, uh, it's not as much on the uh, roll because it's so thick. But I grew up, I think you go with what you grew up with. I grew up with the Scott toilet tissue, so that's what I use, Jerry. You know, I cut the cord. I I make my own decisions. Oh, you make your own decisions. Okay. You're also not supposed to use colored toilet paper. Who uses colored toilet paper? Well, like if someone has a pink bathroom, you can get pink toilet paper. I was not even aware of that. Yeah. Supposedly the dyes are bad for your butt, as you could imagine, Jerry. Because dyes are not supposed to be in that area. I don't use colored toilet you paper, don't. so I don't know. Okay. Well, I, what about colored uh, tissues? No. Not, but that you've seen colored tissues. No, I don't think I have. For the white bathroom? Tissues. I've never seen yeah, colored tissues. Yeah, I go white tissues. everything. Interesting. Uh, mm. By the way, because I, really I, might, I might vomit just okay. this conversation. Um, can we touch on, do we have time to touch on this Metal Arc Lemon yes. discussion this morning? Because there are a few conversations we have with Craig where I'm not sure if he's being serious or not. All and right, today, so refresh the audience. For a long part of that conversation where he said Metal Lark Lemon from the Harlem Globetrotters is one of the four greatest basketball players basically ever to walk the earth is what he said. I, I just don't understand. Like, I, I don't <laughs> – he was being serious talking yes. about a guy who, there is no question about it, is one of the best trick shot basketball uh, shooters I've ever seen too. 
There's also this guy, uh, Mo Norman was his name, one of the greatest golfers in terms of hitting golf shots and training uh, videos, could make any shot. And he had a decent pro career up in Canada, but never made it anywhere else. But God, could he hit a golf ball when he wasn't in competition? Why? I understand the metal arc lemon. Now there's other guys on the court playing defense, which is huge. But why would that golfer, if he could hit trick golf shots? There's no pressure. There's but no, there is pressure if there's a crowd watching you hit a trick when, shot. When you're, well, that's one thing. I was talking about the. Um, I'm sorry, I was on the golfer, yeah. Mo Norman. That's what I'm saying. It, when you well, you've got a crowd around you when you're going to hit a golf trick shot. Yeah, but and you have a, a crowd around you, you when you're trying to tee off you for real. But you perfect something that's unguarded, and in Mo Norman's case, if you hit the same shot, let's say eight thousand times. There are no issues in your head that you're going to miss that shot. Right. It's like if you sign your name 8,000 times, are you really going to write the wrong ni- name 8,001? No. So the same thing with Metal Arc Lemon. I get it. He could hit any shot anywhere on the court. All right, what if Michael Jordan's chasing him and a hands in his face? That's the same player? I'm not saying he wasn't amazing. He wasn't a great – I guess he went to college or high school. All that wonderful. Would pay a lot to go see him. Not that I ever did, but I have seen the some videos. Um, I, but he was serious about that. Which was interesting because he is a basketball guy. That just surprised me. I honestly, for most of that conversation, thought we were joking. Yeah, and then I it became tell. very clear he was not kidding. Yeah, he was very much into that metal arc lemon, could be a legit NBA player back in his day. Yes, and be an all star. Oh, you're right. One of the best best. four of all time. (laughs) None of us were arguing with him that he wouldn't have been a legit NBA player. And even the boomers' credit may have been one of the all time greats. Craig's a top four. Huh? Based on what? Yeah, I wonder why a guy like that, why aren't all the Harlem Globetrotters in the NBA? Well, I do agree with Craig. Pays you could have more. made more money back then doing the Globetrotter circuit. Now, though, if you have you see, I went a few years ago. I have not. And while it was a great show and the kids loved it, it was more of a show than it was all those trick shots that we grew up in. Guy, you know, they would take half court shots, they'd miss four of them before they made one. It wasn't like, hey, let's take a half court shot because it's going. They didn't. Now you've got high-level college players that didn't make it in the NBA. This is the avenue they choose, and they are amazing at what they do, and they're great. They're great ball handlers. Some can shoot. Some are really athletic, but they're not NBA level anymore. Are they jumping off trampolines and things like that? Yes, absolutely. They jump off trampolines. They climb up and sit on top of the backboard. Uh, it's 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 fun. It's a fun show. The and kids, kids love like it. it. Yeah, the kids love it. Really, but they're not NBA quality basketball players anymore. Why kids, would you do that if you can make twenty million dollars? You're playing in basketball. That's where the whole thing has changed. Kids get bored in like twenty minutes. So what do they not do the for the rest Trotters. of the time? My kids were locked in on it because it was fun, and it just it went on for an hour, and they had a blast. Is it like a circus where there's multiple things going on there at are all multiple times? Things going on, but not as much as you think. Maybe two things at once, but it's all wrapped into one. Basically. Now, Jerry, are your children in any basketball leagues? Uh, Well, my oldest played for the school, and my youngest now wants to be a Globetrotter. So I guess there's that. But they're both into baseball, and baseball season has pretty much started for us. Oh, so you do have kids that play youth sports. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I got four teams I'm involved with. Four. Involved with meaning, do you coach youth sports? Well, I'm the head coach of two of them. Two of them. And I'm the assistant coach. What if they play each other? Two. Well, it'd be very difficult for an 11 year old team to take on a six year old team. I don't Uh, think I I would go well for the six year old team. Yeah, I would definitely, if. Not that I would bet on children's sports, but I would definitely take the 11-year-olds. 
Yeah, no, I think they would probably win. But, you know, I'm the assistant coach of one, the head coach of another, and right. I think I'm going to have an impromptu scrimmage this weekend. I just got to figure out a way to tell everybody about it. And I think I got that way. Oh, no, I have that way for you, Jerry. It's called Team Snap. It's the world's number one app for keeping the whole season organized. Oh, Al, tell me more. Oh, did you want to know where the game is, Jerry? I do have to let the parents know, yes. You do, and you probably also need to let them know what they have to bring. Yes, and what time and where. Mm-hmm. And if uh, any of the kids need a lift to the game. Usually a big deal because some of the parents work and you have to arrange things like that. Team Snap, the app, has all of that, Jerry. It's every coach and parent's dream, and you're both a coach and a parent. That's a double dream for you. I am, and while we have fun with this, I can tell you I have Team Snap, and it actually works out tremendous. It has solved a lot of issues in terms of, I think it was this past Tuesday, I changed a practice venue from one uh, one field mm-hmm. to another cross town. Team Snap took care of all of it for me. Very good. It's a good app. I recommend it. Go get it. Jerry, I bet you saved hours of time. I with did. your easy communication now with your team. I did, and I'll tell you why. Because in the past, I would either have to make a lot of texts, some phone calls for there are a couple of moms that um, are on the computer but don't use the cell phone. They still have those rotary phones, believe yes. it or not, where they have the phones like Eddie Scazzari that don't do text me- messaging. Um, and with Team Snap, between the computer and the phone and the app, it's fantastic. Really very easy. Now, where would I get this app, Jerry? Well, you would go to teamsnap.com slash postgame. And here's the best part, Al. No credit card required. Hmm. Awesome. And this is even better. You can try a, a season for nothing. Nada. Zero. So Zilch. You're, so you're Free. saying if I go to teamsnap.com slash postgame, I can get the app and get a season for free. No credit card required mm. as well. It's really good. I recommend doing it. Go to teamsnap.com slash postgame. I would love to get a team together of guys my age to play against the 11-year-olds. Because if they think they're tough beating up on the 6-year-olds, then I would like to play them in a in a game, and I would organize my team of uh, 46-year-old men with Team Snap. Ironically enough, uh, I might take the 11-year-olds in this case. <laughs> so it's interesting because we can play <laughs> off that. So yesterday I was pitching batting practice. Yeah. We'll do a quick one, and then we'll move on. And Matthew, he, my, my oldest is 11 now, 11 and a half at this point. And I think I reached a point, and Craig was talking about the gaming, where he's at a point where he can't beat his kids playing video games. Yes. So yesterday we had a simulated game, and I was the pitcher until my arm basically fell off at the end. And he was the last batter, and I told him, listen, I'm coming after you. Now, I'm not throwing sly. I can't do that, but I can throw fastballs and change-ups. I could not throw one by him. He fouled off about six or seven pitches on me before my arm almost broke. Honestly, I threw the ball straight into the ground, and the pain I had up my arm was ridiculous. And then the other coach came in, threw a pitch, and he hit it. But, yeah, how about that? Yeah, there's, So I take the 11-year-olds. Yeah, there's two different points in life, Jerry, uh, with men and their fathers. One where, the, where you can, uh, as a kid, when you realize you can uh, beat your dad in sports, sure. even if he's bringing it. And then one where you get to the point where you could beat up your dad. Okay. Yeah. There's a certain point because in in life, you always think like your dad is the um, authoritative figure. I see. I've never thought I've ever gotten to the point where I could beat up my dad. Never. If you no, fought your fa- dad I mean, right I, now, you I'll think he you would what. beat you up? Um, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know having been in Vietnam, and I do know some of his oh, training yeah. was a lot of hand to hand combat. Oh, forget it. You'd have no shot. And so right, and so that, and that's what I've always gone back and told you about when I found out that he was in Vietnam for the first time. I was. I think I was 14. I didn't know my whole life. And then when I finally had the conversation with him about it and learning about the training, and then 
didn't even know he had a purple heart because he had bits of a, a grenade that lodged in his head. Um, all the stuff you learn about your father. And I've said this to you before. You all of a sudden go from respecting your dad and, you know, loving your dad to respecting the hell out of him. And it, he doesn't become a different person, but you have a much different viewpoint of him. Right. In a better way, too. And you didn't even think that was possible. And yet it was. And then I remember saying, geez. And then he showed me a couple of those things. And we're talking now 30 years ago, essentially. Um, I remember saying, my God, he knows that hand-to-hand. It's kind of like the same thing I've always told you. And trust me, I'm not being a tough guy by any stretch. But after doing, you know, the the um, the grappling for six years like I did, I'm not saying if I had to go toe-to-toe and box someone that I wouldn't get my ass kicked because I would. But I do feel relatively comfortable. A random person on the street, if I could just get him to the ground, I feel pretty good. I'm just fine. Because you're a good grappler. I think that stuff comes back. Now, I'm not good, but I, I learned enough. And I learned enough about pressure points and stuff like that to where I feel like if I could just get you to the ground, I'm pretty okay. You could pressure point him. And I always had that thought about my father once I learned about all the stuff he was taught. So I don't I don't know. That's an interesting one, though. Now, my dad was in Vietnam also. Do you think they were in the same, uh, do you call that a battalion? I mean, battalion? He, you didn't really just say battalion, did you? Or battalion? <laughs> I don't think they were together. Oh, it's possible. It's not possible. Did your dad have a nickname? I don't know. I got to ask my dad about Like, did you know? I'll tell you what's funny. I don't think he did because when I was a senior in high school, I was in a play. It was called Let's Murder Marsha. Your dad was in Vietnam. You were an actor on the stage in your play. I was. was at school. the same age, basically. At 17, my dad <laughs> was 18. The, that is the funny thing when you think back to that, is. right? It's crazy. Like, think of when you were 17. Yeah. And then imagine being shipped off to Vietnam or where they go Iraq now and all this. Yeah. No, I, could, I couldn't it. imagine it, actually. So I you're, really couldn't. So you're in this play. So I'm in this play. It's called Let's Murder Marsha at St. John Vianney <laughs> High School, right? And I was, uh, I earned, I got the role of the policeman. So we had to perform some scenes for the school about three or four days prior to us actually doing the play in front of a real audience. And we didn't have the cop outfit. So I had this, I was telling my parents, and my father was like, you know, you're about my size when I was in high school. He goes, you know, I have my army uniform if you want to wear that tomorrow or the next day, whatever. I was like, and that's kind of where I got all all the stripes. Like, wow, holy, I didn't realize it all. So I put that on, and I'm walking through the high school the next day. My friends did not recognize me. I was getting all, good morning, sir. How are you, sir? I'm like, guys, it's me. I have no idea where I'm going with this conversation. Well, you look like an adult because you're wearing like an, an adult, adult uniform. And it was it was really, I don't know, it was weird walking around like that. So, kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think I could have survived uh, just the bathroom situation alone in Vietnam or the you military. You don't have a choice, dude. I guess not. You would have been eating dinty more food out of a can. Right. And you'd be pooping in a hole using leaves. Listen, it's what it was. Yeah, even in the barracks. I don't think they had... I think I, I was mostly asking my dad about the bathrooms in, in the military. Oh, my God. Um, they had, like, no doors on the toilet. You know, you would just be on the toilet next to another guy on you the toilet. You realize what they were there for? Battling. They were there to stop the Germans, basically. Not in Vietnam, but in, you know, World War II. And then we're, and then the Vietnam War, we were, we were dealing with, you know... Oh, God. It's just we're fighting for democracy all over the world. Yes, I don't think they were really concerned about what type of toilet paper and privacy we need. Right, would See, have been nice, but grand scheme, big picture, dude. Right, not the most important thing you're saying. I don't think so. Yeah, 
No, I, I don't think I, we were fighting communism that, from spreading around the world. Right, and they I beat get it, it didn't go well for us, but I'm pretty sure that hey guys, let's send kids out to war. Who's going to the store for bounty? Oh, I see. Or Sherman or you, whatever. You brought it back to the terrible paper products right. we have here at FAN. Exactly. Right. I see what We've you're saying, Jerry. You All are, right. You are funny. Ask your dad about uh, the, the paper products in Vietnam, and I'll ask my dad, and we'll. Next, I am not having that Next time we get together, we'll talk about not it. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to okay, happen. Okay, then I'm not going to bother asking I'm my dad. I'm more interested in who was, you know, standing guard all night while they, while they tried to get four hours of sleep and not got shot up right. at 3 a.m. by you know, people that, well, whatever. My dad was in communications in Vietnam. Probably why I got into the radio. You're really making that connection? Yes, it's in our blood. It's in the Duke's blood. Communications. We communicate. You, weren't you a salesman? <laughs> I was very bad at it. But, but, I tried yeah, that for but, but two years. But weren't you a salesman? I did try that. Okay. I was just checking. Did not go well. It wasn't in my blood. The Dukes are communicators. Mass communicators. Oh, boy. All right, Jerry. Is you that and, it? Yes. You enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you tomorrow <laughs> on the Boomer and Carton program. Are we doing the bonus one to tomorrow or no? I don't think so. Okay. I need to get down the shore tomorrow, Jerry. <laughs> By the way, we're getting warm. Al's going to be, you know, balls out at 10.02. Oh, yeah, 10.02 once the summer hits Fridays. You're going to be on the beach. I'm still going to be wrapping up my 11.45 wins report. Yeah. I'll see you later. It's the Boomer and Carton postgame show. With the real stars of the show, Al and Jerry.